Is a Damian Lillard deal finally going to happen? And the new kind of owner that can come in and completely remake the NBA. We're going to talk about it right now on the Locked On NBA podcast. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On NBA Podcast. Right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, I want to thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday, and on Wednesdays, it's us, me, John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtics Podcast. Find me on Twitter at John underscore Corrales. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans Podcast on Twitter at Nola Jake. Summer League is done. We are now officially into the sleepy time of the NBA season. Everybody's popped their Ambien. Everybody's going to go into a nice little hibernation. And here we are with like Jalen Brown still doesn't have an extension. Damian Lillard's still out there. James Harden's still out there. All kinds of stuff still kind of hanging out there. So, but hey, we're still here. Look, there's no days off. There's still a ton of stuff going on in the league. And like some big piece of news is going to break in the middle of the summer. People are going to be on vacation and Locked On NBA is still going to be here breaking it all down the next day. Yeah. Yep. Say, hey, if you're broadcasting for the Bahamas, it's just dedication is what it is. Hey, later on, we'll talk about the new kind of owners that could come into the NBA and even make team relocation just, I don't know, rampant, more possible. It could be yeah, something. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but we're going to start with Damian Lillard and the possibility that he can actually finally be moved. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. This all comes from the Dame stuff comes from Sham Sharania, who basically said, uh, I'll quote him, what I'm told, Portland has told Miami, make your best offer to us. And so normally in a negotiation, when one side says to the other, give me your best and final. Let's go. We're done talking. Best and final. I'm going to say yes or no, and we're going to move on. Uh, I guess the question here, Jake, is hasn't Miami already been making their best offer? Yeah, there, there's a lot of questions here. We could turn this one into like a real or fake pretty easily. But no, let's you do it. Think, let's make this hey, our real, real or fake. Or, okay, real or fake. Let's go first segment, real or fake today. But yeah, let's do it. Real or fake. Dame's going to get traded. This is it. Best offer is coming. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. If that reporting is accurate, I think this is real. I, I, I think it comes from, you know, and this is a week after Joe Cronin said, like, we'll go into the season with this if we need you. If it takes months, it takes months. And now he's like, all right, just make me your best offer and we can get this done is what it feels like. It basically, I think, is signaling that no other offers are coming in. No other team is getting into this and Damian Lillard's leverage play of, I only want to play in Miami. I'm going to be as we talked about literally last week, right? Polina James Harden on this sort of thing. You yeah. know, the threat of that I think has scared a lot of teams and it doesn't sound like other offers are coming in. And so if those other offers aren't coming in, this is essentially Joe Cronin being like, I don't want to like do the negotiation. This is him walking to the car dealership and being like, I'll give you sticker price. Can we just call it a day and I can get off the lot with what I want. And so if Miami comes in with their best offer, then this gets done. The follow-up question is kind of what you said. Like, did Miami not make their best offer? Because then they just have cost themselves time and actually like opportunity cost and free agency where we've heard it reported that they can't make some moves or things like that because they don't know what they've got to do when it comes to Damian Lillard. You know, they should have just gone in and be like, this is literally all we can offer. 
you guys. Like, we'll give you whatever picks we can do. We'll include the young players. Like, this is literally it because there's not that much there. If they tried to, like, lowball Portland and all of those things, like, they just wasted time and kind of hurt themselves. So if they make the best offer, like, yeah, I think a deal gets done now. I'm, I'm going to go fake. I'm going to say that this is Portland. I think there's a little bit of a, a, a little bit of gamesmanship here going on and saying uh, Miami, everybody's saying Miami's offer is not that great. Like this well, is this, not like, yeah, that's not true. That great. <laughs> so I feel like there is a little bit of, okay, I'm done playing here. Give us your best offer. And Miami, like what, what else is Miami going to offer? They're not going to throw Bam out of bio in there, right? They're not doing that. So this is it. This is their best offer. Maybe this is, we're not doing this deal. Go find a third team or a fourth team if you have to, but go find somebody else to give us more because you alone don't have what we want. We want more. We want to make sure that if you're going to trade Damian Lillard and you're finally, you're going to say, fine, you're going to, you're going to go to the team that you want, even though we don't have to. We want some value. So when we come out of this, we just don't look like the team that kind of capitulated and got screwed. So I'm saying that this is fake. I think this is a public uh, kind of signaling that we want more. You don't have enough. We know this has been your best offer, but we're still going to put it out there that we need your best offer. So go get more or else he's going to stay. I think them saying this could last months. I know that they probably don't want it to, but I think they're, they are actually willing to because it's Damian Lillard and he's not going to come back and screw the team. He's not going to go James Harden on them. He's just not, he's too much of a pro. So they can say, we're working with you, but we can't get screwed here. You can't screw us on the way out. We're not going to screw you on the way out, but it's just not going to happen the way you thought it was. So I wonder then my, my kind of follow up to that is this, you know, Okay, so like essentially this comes down to they need to ship Hero to a third team, right? And get a first round pick and or a young player for him that's like kind of intriguing and not Tyler Hero because I don't know if Tyler Hero is borderline top 75 in the league. Like it's close, but maybe not. And clearly the Portland Trailblazers don't want him there and there's redundancy in positions. Is this them going... All right, we'll deal Lillard to you if you go and move Hero, get the piece we need, and then come back to us. And we're not going to do the legwork. You need to do the legwork. We're not going to like reach out to other teams. You know, Pat Riley, you make the calls here. I, Joe Cronin, am going to go on vacation and chill. Call me when I'm chilling on the beach and go, we got whatever third team X. They'll take Hero. It's an extra pick coming to you. You're good. Here's the trade. And then he can just sign off on it and hang up. So it's like a, it's like a pre-agreement. To Sorta. do a deal, right? Like, is this like a like a promise ring to the Miami Heat from the yeah. Portland Trailblazers? I mean, it could be. It could be. Well, I look at the worst case scenarios. Whenever a situation like this happens, I like to look at what's the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario for Portland is Dame comes back, and oh, gee, too bad, a popular player comes back and fills the seats, and we make some more money. For Miami, the worst case scenario is, damn, we don't have Dame. And, you know, they made this magical run to the finals. That's not going to happen again, the way they're constituted. And they even lost players that kind of helped that along. So they are, they, they need this. They're older. Jimmy Butler's older. They, they need to get some help in there. So it's, despite 
Lillard being the guy who asked for the trade, the pressure to me is still on Miami because Miami's there as you're the team that he wants to go to. You don't have a lot of assets. He doesn't have a no trade clause and Portland is willing to keep him. So you can't just sit there and be like, Hey man, your star wants to come to us. We're just going to sit here with this crappy offer and be done with it. Like, no, you do have to flip Tyler hero. You do have to find a way to, to get different kind of assets here and make this work for Portland. You, like you said, you Miami have to do the legwork. This, whatever you've been giving Portland is not acceptable. So try harder. So say they try harder then you think it would get done. Yes. I don't think, do you see him, how's this? Do you see Damian Lillard going to any other team than Miami? I mean, at this point, probably not because I think other teams have been scared away by, by it all. Like, so I think Miami is still going to be the team, but because he still has a bunch of years left, he has a bunch of years left and he's getting older. So makes a lot of money, right? Does it matter to Portland? If Damian Lillard falls off a cliff, no, not really, because they're going to suck either way. So if he falls off a cliff, then, hey, sorry, Miami, you'll go somewhere else. We'll figure it out. We can, we'll, we'll figure something out with, with Dane. But they, if, if Miami can work a third team in, they need, they need Dame now. They can't wait till next year because who knows what Dame's going to be like? Who knows what Jimmy Butler's going to be like? Who knows what that team's going to be like? They need him now. So, Make some of the calls, make a tough call with whichever players need to make the tough call with and get Butler, Adebayo, and Lillard together on that same team. You need to make that happen. The pressure to me is on Miami to make that happen. So if they find a third team, then yes, I think Portland will do the deal. I do not believe, as of right now, I do not believe that a Portland-Miami one-for-one, I mean, uh Two-team trade Two team, yeah. happens. I don't think it happens. This has to be a three-team deal. I mean, that seems like the right idea in theory. I just wonder as it gets closer and if no other teams come forward and no one's come forward so far. And look, eventually someone you figure will have to take a chance if the price like keeps going down, right? And it's like, okay, for that price, like I'll take yeah. a chance on Damian Lillard being unhappy here, right? Like I'm sure New Orleans would do it if they didn't have to trade Zion or Brandon Ingram in, in, in a deal. Like yeah. why not? What have you got to lose at that point? You know, even if Lillard wants to leave later, you just flip him. So some teams might eventually, but if Miami wants to get this done, it's flip hero, Get whatever you need there, then then send it all immediately to Portland, and then we don't have to talk about this anymore. Yes, I'm done talking about it right now. We're going to move on. We're going to move on to new kind of ownership, sovereign wealth funds. You hear sovereign wealth fund, uh, but it's basically a foreign country. Can they buy an NBA team, and how does that change the dynamic of what potential NBA ownership will be? First, today's show is brought to you by... FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On. And you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet $20. bucks, you will land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend on anything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit that first home run. I guess betting on Shohei Otani to do that is probably your best bet. Uh, all on an app that's safe. Secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid right away. And isn't that what you want? 
You win your bet, you that money shows up right in your bank account. There's no better place to bet on the MLB other than FanDuel. Nowhere else to go. America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. You get 200 bucks in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. Just ask you if you're going to bet, go for it. But please gamble responsibly. Thanks for making Lockdown NBA your first listen every single day. Hey, you want to learn more about Lillard? Check out Lockdown Blazers, Lockdown Heat. They got you covered. Lockdown, whichever team, Lockdown Pelicans for whatever Zion's doing, Lockdown Celtics for me. If you want to figure out what Jalen Brown's doing with his extension, check it all out here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Jake, uh, a little piece of news that kind of flew under the radar, but it's a bigger piece of news than it probably uh, people probably probably realize. Uh, during summer league, Adam Silver was talking to the Associated Press sports editors, uh, and a question came up from Tim Bontemps of ESPN about sovereign wealth funds. Right, foreign countries, Qatar, these generally the Saudi Arabias and 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 countries like that, that have been buying into teams, have been buying teams in European soccer and have bought into monumental sports and entertainment, which owns the Wizards. They own 5% of the Wizards, Mystics, and Capitals, that, that group. So Adam Silver was asked about, can they buy an, an NBA team? And it's allowed, it is technically allowed in the new collective bargaining agreement. They can buy an NBA team, but Adam Silver says it's preferred to have uh, individuals. It says, the quote, it's very important to us, putting aside sovereign wealth funds, that individuals are in position to control our teams, to be responsible to the fans, be responsible to their partners and to the players. Jake, is this kind of like the future of the NBA? Teams are getting to be super expensive, four, five, six billion dollars. What happens when the Knicks you know, a big market, big legacy team, the Celtics, the Lakers, these big time teams, what happens when they sell? And as the commissioner said, we're kind of running out of people who can afford to buy these teams. The new collective bargaining agreement and people were like, oh, we don't need to talk about that. It's like, no, you do. I think this is a really big deal. You look at what's happening in European soccer and you kind of see the spending of some of the teams that have been bought Newcastle, you know, in the premier league is, is a really good example of that and throwing some money around because basically to these funds, money is no object, right? When a fund is worth $800 billion, does the luxury tax matter? And right. you know, you, you made a really good point of like, as, as the price of these teams go up, you don't have like individual people, one person, right. That has that kind of money. You start to see big collections of folks, right. You put those ownership groups together that might have 20 people pooling their money to buy a team. And that can get a little bit messy at times though. And you know, one thing we've learned is the NBA wants to keep growing. They want to tap into new markets. And if a foreign country essentially controls a team, that whole country might be paying attention to that team. It puts new eyeballs on this. It gets the NBA and expands. Right? Like the Philippines have a sovereign wealth fund that was just created recently. And but look, we've all kind of used Kai Soto in a headline here or there yeah. for, for the SEO to get a bunch of listings. They're crazy for the NBA. You think they wouldn't be flocking? Huge basketball, huge basketball huge fans. 
So if the country, and this is a simple simplification of it saying the country owns it, but let's roll with that for a second, right? That's a huge market that the NBA could tap into. They might want individuals to control it, but if that organization and that sovereign wealth fund is going to give you $8 billion, $10 billion to buy a team because they really want in, Adam Silver ain't turning that money down. The NBA is not going to turn that money down. The other owners aren't going to turn that money down. And you know, you look at the sons in Ishbia who is spending, right? Like he came yeah. in and we were like, oh my God, we thought the second apron was going to be like prohibiting people. And he proceeded to be like, no, I don't, I don't care about that thing. Yeah. And then, then did salary dump campaign saved him $20 million. But if your sovereign wealth fund is worth 500 billion, I don't think $20 million matters and they would probably keep him. And so it has a chance to really change the way teams operate. I think. And then there's the larger question we'll, we'll get into in the next segment on like relocation and things like that. But, you know, I don't think this is going to happen right away, but you and I talked relo uh, not relocation expansion last week, right? You know, Vegas, Seattle, could one of those teams get sold to an individual, like a group of individuals and another one sold to a sovereign wealth fund, like the Vegas one, potentially, like, I think there's potential for things like that. Yeah. Look, the money is where the money is. And if an individual person doesn't have it, then you got to find it somewhere else. And they're not going to devalue the teams by taking less money, right? No one's going to de- That's not how this works. The, the league is growing exponentially, which I mean, at some point it's going to come back down to earth. You think, but right now this is what it costs. And this is what it costs, costs to buy in. And it's going to be harder for, I, I do think about the Celtics for example, because they're they're one of the longer tenured ownership groups and they bought the team for something like $300 million. Now you can sell the team for at least the Celtics, four, five billion. Easy, that's, easy. That's a significant, significant payoff on your investment. And even if you sold half the team, you know, you, you sold, even if you maintain a controlling share of the, there are other ways for people to buy into these teams, but if someone wants to buy something outright, if if a if a sovereign wealth fund slides in, then it's going to be hard for the league to be like no, because then the then the question becomes why why don't you? And I think the reasons are for all the stuff that you laid out because it's well, I think part of the reason is why <laughs> you laid out because if you thought Steve Ballmer was spending money. If you thought Joe Lacob was spending money, uh, wait till you see this one outlier group. That's just like, whatever. We'll just, we'll just keep finding a way to keep these, these, these guys, we'll just pay it. And then we'll find a way to pay the next person. We'll find a way to pay the next person. And it doesn't matter. There is, there's the potential to just throw off competitive, you know, competitive par- parity, whatever, you know, they're trying to do, which is what the new CBA kind of was like designed to do. It was like, you can be competitive for three years, then you're going to have to break up the team because this is just going to cost you too much. And you can't add on to the team at that point. The other reason to be real concerned about this, like we'd be remiss if we didn't say this though. I don't want to get into like an ethical debate on this. There is some sports washing going on with a lot of this too, I think, right? Some of these countries don't have good human rights records and things like that. And they're doing this to almost legitimize themselves. This was the the argument for live golf and everything yeah, with that. Yeah, you yeah. know, like this is a slippery slope for the NBA to go into as well, right? Is there amount of money that makes you overcome, say, ethic, your, you know, your ethical background and things like that and your morals and all that? And there very well might be. And that's the type of thing that all of a sudden you look at the NBA in a different light with too. 
we could do a whole show just on that, like in and of itself. But I think we do at least like have to mention that on here. No, it's, it's a good point. It's a good point. And it's something that not only it's, it's one thing to say, okay, uh, you and I are billionaires and we put our money together and it's John and Jake buying the Pelicans and whatever. And they, and it's us and our financial, you know, in our pasts and our whatever, if you have to deal with an entire country's past and an entire country's indiscretion, you now open the door for investigation into these, okay, which, which sovereign wealth fund is there? And every news item that comes out of that country now becomes a question for Adam Silver. Hey, Adam Silver, why is, you know, this is your, your owners, one of your owners is doing this. And one of your owners is com committing this or whatever. That's that's definitely something to um, something to consider. So uh, I don't think that's that's kind of an unspoken yeah thing that the NBA is like. Yeah, we would prefer. I mean, there's a reason he's saying we don't want that and be a little minority owner, get some of that money in here, open some doors, but don't fully control a team, hey, and then we don't have to talk about this as much. Let's look at like like you said, Qatar is is. 5% stake in monumental sports and all the Washington teams. Well, they just had this big, the big controversy hosting the, you know, the world cup. Why couldn't you ask Ted Leonsis, Hey, why are you doing business with someone who like committed all these, these, th it's, it's a fair, it's a fair question. And I don't think the league wants that. Let's talk about team relocation First, I just want to thank everybody for making Lockdown NBA your first listen every day. Uh, make make it, uh, you know, you can, we're five days a week still. We're still five days a week here. So make it your first stop wherever you want the coverage of the league, in-depth coverage, even on something like this, the Sovereign Wealth Fund, which could change, as Jake suggested. The If, if a team is willing to pay all this money to uh, buy a team, and if they got this kind of, uh, unlimited financial uh, reservoir. If a team wants to buy it and, and say, Hey, we, we don't want to be in this city and Hey, okay. I know you're going to use the new Orleans example. It's my like doomsday scenario that not keeps me up at night, but this is something that I'm genuinely worried about at some point. But also I'll let you get into that. But also I just want to throw in my, my part of that thought. What happens if somebody buys into the Celtics or the Lakers and says, you know what? We don't like the team in Boston and we don't care because we're a foreign country and we don't have to deal with the blowback. We're not sitting there. So we decided that we want to move the Boston Celtics to some other, like some other city and say, and, and ruin a legacy. We want to move the Knicks for some reason, which it'd be hard with a bigger market team. But my point is teams with established legacies they don't care about that stuff either so no team would be safe no like this this i do think has potential to like literally change the landscape of the league in terms of where teams are and i think this is where you get to a doomsday scenario and like 
like it could happen to teams like the Lakers, the Knicks, the Celtics. I think like the rest of the owners who I believe have to like approve re- relocation are going to be like, no, like you're not going to do those teams and they're going to stay where they are. But, you know, look at a team like the New Orleans Pelicans. Gail Benson owns the team. You know, there's no air there. So some of the succession plans, they have some stuff in place. But eventually, you know, when she passes, the team is going to have to be sold. Say one of these sovereign wealth funds comes in, buys, you know, a franchise that's worth $2 billion for six billion dollars like it's just an offer you cannot refuse you know they could easily move the team you know you can break leases and get out of yeah, it and sure. just move the team and you'll get sued you will lose that lawsuit and then you have to pay damages but if the damages are a billion dollars to an entity with 500 million or more or even a, or sorry 100 500 billion or more even 100 billion or more do they care to get the team into a bigger market or where they, wherever it is that they want it to be, assuming you can get approval from like NBA board of governors and all of that, they, they can afford that. Like the, money is, is just no object to some of these, right? They'll overpay if they need to, to accomplish what they want. So it creates kind of that doomsday scenario of, you know, could Portland move? Let's say, could New Orleans move? Could others, it's more small market teams, I think potentially move. And, I think the answer is still a little bit slim on that and a little bit unknown, but it's not a zero. And that that would be awful, I think, for some of these cities and fans. Yes, yes. Uh, you are correct, and teams would need to approve, but also understand that they can- Owners don't like to set a precedent of like saying no to one another either. They don't, and teams like the Sovereign Wealth Fund can go to- um, how many, how many real estate developers and mortgage people own teams, right? You know, you've got uh, like, like Ishbia, like they could, they could sit there and be like, Hey, yeah, you don't want to move the Celtics, right? Um, what if we do all of our mortgage business through you, you know? And he'd be like, Oh yeah. Because in the end money talks, they can go through and start going to each of these owners and essentially bribing them without technically bribing them by saying, Hey, we're going to do business with you. We're going to, Hey, you know, uh, pick, pick somebody. Uh, what's his name from the Knicks? Uh, Dolan, Dolan, Dolan. like we need to build this. Dolan you know, would say yes. So quickly. Dolan, that yeah, the he would so fast. Right. Hey, how, how would you like a $2 billion contract to build these entertainment facilities in our country? He'd be like, yep. Goodbye. Yeah, that sounds Boston. great to me. Yeah. Sounds oh, great. please. He would love that, right? They have 100%. invested interest in some of that at, at that point. The one part that's also interesting is states. Some states have sovereign wealth funds too. You know, a state can create, like invest their money their way. You see that, you know, I think Texas is like one or two set up, you know, for different fields and things. It'd be interesting to see like the state of New Orleans, let's say, create one, pool the money if they have it. And I don't think they have like the $3 billion they would need to like buy a team, but to like fully keep it within the state or something like that. And then just take the profit from it every year and like reinvest that back in. So there's, there, it's just one of those things like we haven't even touched on that. And that's a rabbit hole we could go down for a whole segment or two, right? Like this, this is a, something I find very fascinating that can really shake up the way the league looks like, you know, yeah. is that second apron of the luxury tax a big deal? Yeah, but not if you have unlimited money. It's not until you literally right. just can't anyone else add anyone else to the team at that point in time. But also like, if you don't care about lawsuits, if you don't care about some of these things, you know, like, 
they'll play hardball. They'll try, you know, what if they just come in, you get two of these in the league and they have so much more money than everyone else. They start trying to kind of enforce their will and like bleed other teams dry or something like that. Right. Like then what happens? Yeah, it's there. There are so many different ways you can go with this. The possibility is, is there the possibility Mm -hmm. exists and it's probably not that far off before somebody tries because they've been doing it. They've been doing it in other leagues, in other countries. And the NBA is global. The NBA is big. And like you said at the beginning of this segment, there's, there is incentive to say, wow, what if all of our team merchandise was all over pick, pick a, pick a, uh, you know, like a Saudi Arabia. He's like, all of a sudden everybody's rockets fans. And that really just brings a lot of money in, you know, just something like that. So it's very, it's very appealing (laughs) to the NBA in a lot of ways, but also it's, it's a third rail. It can be very devastating to, to go down this road. Yeah. It's it, the, the new CBA has those things that haven't been covered yet. You know, you and I were sit, talking before we hit record here and it's like university endowments can buy in as minority owners on teams right. and things like that. You got, you got Harvard running the Celtics in the future. Cause they can afford it. Like it's the whole thing. It's, it's kind of crazy. What could happen with, ownership we're we're a ways away right none of this i don't think is like an imminent i don't want to call it a threat that's not the right word but none of this is imminent right now right but it's something that the league at least needs to like be prepped for because i'm sure a couple of these these entities i'll call them saw this and we're like oh we got to get ourselves an nba team yeah however it goes i don't know but there there are a lot of owners out there that bought in for a lot less than their teams are worth they, the, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a sell-off at some point. Like you right? said this to me before you said this to me before, right after expansion happens, because all of those owners for two new teams are going to split the buy-in costs from those teams. Right? So every owner, every franchise is going to make $500 million just right yeah. off the bat. You make $500 million. Those two teams, new ones come into the league, which will fetch record prices for both of those, let's say, right? I think that's a safe bet. We'll then raise your franchise up and its value. So you just made $500 million, Your franchise went up. You sell that. You're coming out an extra billion ahead. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these and teams. I think you'll get a lot of people selling their teams right after that. that that's going to be it. That's going to be it. I remember you were in New Orleans. We were courtside at the Pell Celtics game and we were talking about this. And I was like, I had not even thought about that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's what they're waiting for. Um, It's going to be, it's going to be, I think there, there's a sell-off coming. Uh, A lot of these owners have a lot of money coming their way. Um, It's going to be interesting how these new owners, how the league business kind of like, because I think at that point it's going to, plateau but i don't know we'll see we'll see team ownership it's important because that affects how the league operates the a new generation a new type of owner changes how the next cba negotiation goes it changes a lot about this league you don't know what it's going to be and this potential introduction of sovereign wealth funds can can reshape the league sooner than you think and in ways that you couldn't imagine so it's a it, it is I know it's tough when we say sovereign wealth funds. You're like, oh God, well, but it is actually super, super important and can change the way the NBA operates. So we'll leave it at that. I want to say thank you for uh, sticking with us here through this uh, Wednesday lockdown NBA heading into the off season, but still, like I said at the, at the beginning of the show, tons of unfinished business to go. So lockdown NBA is going to have it covered unlike any other show. So check it out. 
We're here on Wednesdays. I'm John Corrales, host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Find me on Twitter at John underscore Corrales. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Lockdown Pelicans podcast on Twitter at Nola Jake. Nick Angstead, Path of Designer, got you tomorrow. Make sure you're checking it out. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check the show out on YouTube. Subscribe there. And I would love it if you share the podcast, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Locked On NBA podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day.